Now, after uh, exhorting you to be a man, I'm now going to exhort you to be a kid. Because the kingdom is for kids. So, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16, for such is the kingdom of God. Now, stand with me for the reading of the word of God. For such is the kingdom of God. Simple passage. Mark 10, verse 13 through 16. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, we would all have, Lord God, a child's heart of humility, of trust, of dependence, Lord God. For that is the road, the way of salvation. I pray, Lord God, that if there's anybody here, Lord God, who needs to humble themselves and become like a little child today, they would do that, Lord God, before they leave this place and receive the gift of the kingdom of God, eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Minister to us, bless us, and be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So he, he, he says here, right, for such is the kingdom of God. One of the questions that Boy, I've been preaching for 40 years, has come to me many times from people as what happens to a child or a baby who dies? What happens to a child who's miscarried or stillborn or a child who is aborted? And um, the Bible's clear. The Bible's clear on those things. You're going you're gonna to get that here this morning. Jesus used the word bless. Blessed, right? Are, he said, blessed are the children. Blessed are the babies. And he never pronounced a blessing on anyone, anyone who was not in the kingdom of God. So the, the, the blessing is, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's very unique what Jesus is saying, that the little children, essentially, that little child in his arms is saved. That inner child is in a place of grace. Now, there are two things that really jump out here that um, you'll see in this passage. One is, it's a rebuke. It's a very subtle rebuke against legalism. Those people who believe that they somehow can be saved without the grace of God. Right? Babies, babies are enfolded into the kingdom of God and they have done absolutely nothing to earn it. <laughs> right? I mean, what can, what can you, I was with my little, I was with my little granddaughter, Charlotte, she's a few months old this weekend, she could do nothing to earn salvation, but Jesus said, for such is the kingdom of God. Secondly, it's a message for us big people, okay, for the big people, that to be a part of the kingdom, you have to become like a child. You have to become weak. You have to become helpless. You have to recognize your unworthiness. You have to depend on the Lord. Humble yourself to be able to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God. And over and over again, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. This, this is the, the main message. It's the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of the gospel. And he, he taught on the kingdom. It's amazing. I'm, I think I'm amazed at how many people are in churches, evangelical churches, they don't have a clue what the kingdom is. 
But the, the kingdom of God, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a sower who goes out and sows seed. The kingdom of God is like a fishnet that's hauled in by the fishermen. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes out and sows seed and some right, becomes wheat and some becomes tares. The kingdom of God is like a tiny little mustard seed that grows up into this giant shrub. The kingdom of God is like a man who finds a hidden treasure, a pearl of great price. Over and over again, Jesus taught this throughout the Gospels, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And understand, the kingdom of God is the same as the kingdom of heaven. There are some some wacky teachings that, that try to say that they're two different things. They are the same thing. When Matthew wrote, he wrote to Jews, and the Jews identified it as the kingdom of heaven. When Mark wrote, Luke wrote, they were primarily writing to a Gentile world, so they used the words kingdom of God. It's the same thing. Paul in the book of Romans chapter 14, 17 said, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's in the Holy Spirit. When you are enfolded into the Holy Spirit, you are living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Then there is a manifestation in your life of righteousness. There's a manifestation of peace. There's a manifestation of the joy. The joy of God in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is also, it is the Lord's reign. It is the Lord's reign over all of His creation, His dominion, His rule over all creation. And Jesus said to some, He said, the kingdom of God is within you. And that is when the kingdom of God, when the king of the kingdom is ruling in our hearts, He's reigning in our hearts as our Lord, then the kingdom manifests in our personal lives. And ultimately, when the Lord returns, and really His glorification, the glorified uh, appearing of the Lord, at the end of the tribulation period, the Lord will establish an earthly kingdom for 1,000 years. And that's uh, in Revelation chapter 20, mentioned six times, 1,000 years, 1,000 years, 1,000 years, the millennial kingdom where He will rule the earth from Jerusalem. And the people of the world will gather up and he will teach them and he will judge. But it's peace on earth. It's a time when they will beat their swords into plowshares, right? Their, their spears into pruning hooks. There's no more war during the millennial kingdom. What, what we long for in this insane, wicked, evil world. Satan is bound. And there comes this peace. And the wolf lies down with the lamb. And the little baby can stick his hand in a viper's nest and he doesn't get bitten. It's peace on earth. It's prosperity. I'll tell you, I believe we are very close to that. Because the way the scriptures teach it is the Lord comes for the bride, the rapture. Then you have a seven-year period called the tribulation, hell on earth. This is like he says to the world, you, you, want, you want the way of the devil, you can have it for seven years. And then he comes back and he establishes a millennial kingdom. If the Lord raptures the church today, seven years from now, the millennial kingdom, and we're a part of it with resurrected bodies, glorified bodies. So in light of this, he grabs again, takes hold of this, these little children, and he says, for such is the kingdom of God. They are in the place of his dominion, of his salvation, of his eternal life. And there's, there's just something I want, you to, I want you to notice here. The little children were brought to him. The little children came to him. And you see this. You see this throughout the Gospels. In Mark chapter 9, 36. Then he 
took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, just the little children were around him much. And when he entered into uh, Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, right, it was the little children who were yelling, Hosanna, right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Which tells me something that Jesus had a very joyful demeanor with the children. He, he was happy with the children, a, a welcoming demeanor towards them. He smiled. He, he looked at them with love and compassion and acceptance. You know, there's this, children do not come to sourpusses. They don't. In fact, they, they will run away from them. The, the, you know, a person with a stern face, right? The, ch- the child will run away from them. Yet the children, he, he, he came to Jesus. They came to Jesus. And I think that, again, he had this, this wonderful smile. I like this picture from one of the movies. But uh, they came to him. Children were drawn to him. They were drawn, again, to his smile. They were drawn to his, his facial expression. They were drawn to the love in his eyes. They were, tra- they were attracted to him. By the way, just great pictures Have you ever looked into Jesus' face and looked deeply into his eyes? What do you see? So he says here, for such is the kingdom of God. I'm going to have just three simple points here this morning. For such is the kingdom of God. So Mark 10.13, and they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. The little children, the word here that Mark uses is pedia, and uh, pedia would be the equivalent of our kids who are in the Sunday school right now. And then Luke uses brephos, and that's like Kim's little baby there. Right, the brephos, the little ones, they're somewhere in the nursery. So they were, they were infants and, um, and toddlers. And, and likely maybe, you know, like some of the older kids in the Sunday school, children. And they were brought to him. Now, the parents brought them to Jesus because they wanted him to bless them. They wanted him to lay his hands on them and, and bless them. And this is very common. This is very common that you see this in the scriptures amongst the Jewish people. So you see um, Jacob blesses, right? He, uh, Isaac blesses Jacob and Esau. Jacob blesses his 12 sons. And then Jacob blesses Joseph's two sons. And it was very common to, to bring the child to the to father, sometimes to the rabbi. And they would say, you know, lay hands on my child and, and, and pray. Next week, right, you will dedicate, right, you dedicate your son. And to bring, they, bring them, they bring them to the fathers to, to lay hands on them and bless them. And the father, the father would he'd lay hold of them, and then he would pray a, a, a blessing, a blessing over the child. And isn't that, fathers, what we do, Right? I mean, just a godly father. Right? We, we pray over our children. Godly fathers, our grandfathers. We take our, our little grandchildren. In fact, I, little Nathaniel, little Charlotte, I, I still do it with all my grandkids. Get them in your arms and just pray a blessing over them. You pray that, that, that prayer of blessing, that they would know the Lord when they reach that time, that level of accountability that they would grow up to be, to be a godly man and a godly woman who would honor God, that God would bless them and protect them, provide for them, make them successful in their, their, their endeavors. 
Now, I, I had a, a father, and my father didn't come to the Lord until he was 68 years old. And um, he wasn't a praying person before that. But one thing my father would do a number of times, and I remember this so, so clearly, he just would put his arm around me, and I'll tell you, just sitting on the steps, right you know, down here in, in Dumont, he put his arm around me one day, we're sitting on the steps for the summer uh, evening, and he looked at me and he said, you know, you can do anything you want to do. You can do anything you want to do. I want to tell you something. He, he imprinted that upon me. I believe that. So obviously, you know, within reality, if I flap my arms, I know I'm not flying across this room. <laughs> but but he, he instilled in me that, like within the boundaries of reality and, and you know, my existence, I could, I could accomplish things. And, you know, th- throughout my life, whenever I attempted something, uh, when I played basketball, they told me I couldn't jump but I became a good basketball player. When I, when I took up boxing in the martial arts, one of my uncles laughed at me because he had seen me one time. I cut my finger and waved it all over the kitchen and it covered the kitchen in blood. I was freaking out. He goes, how are you going to be a boxer? You're going to be getting pounded. But I, I got pretty good at that. When I, when I chose to be a bodybuilder, everybody said, you're too skinny. I was 158 pounds and I became a very successful bodybuilder. When I went into the ministry, there were Christian people around me. They said, you? <laughs> you're, a, you're a bodybuilder, you're a gym owner. What are you, nuts? You're going to go in the ministry? And they, they poo-pooed on the calling. But my father had instilled anything. You know, you put your mind to, you can accomplish it. Just that, that simple word of, of blessing. Let me, say, let me say this to you. When I see young men who grow up without that, and young women, it affects them in a negative way. Well, it doesn't mean they're not going to be successful. It doesn't mean they're going to, you know, not. But it, it affects them in a negative way. That I believe a, 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 a little boy, a little girl, need to have a father and a mother who speak those blessings over their life. And do that, do that consistently. And really, really imprint that blessing upon them. And I, I see sometimes men who have grown up without fathers or their fathers were just there but they're not there because they're alcoholics or drug addicts or God knows whatever and the children grows up missing something they miss that blessing so I just want to encourage you moms and dads that's something we should be doing we should be doing that consistently over our children and our grandchildren and if you're blessed with great-grandchildren so they bring, they bring the children for Jesus to bless them, and they, and they want Jesus to touch them, to touch the children. Because, you know, you'll notice this. Everything Jesus did, he did with touching. He was always touching people. Right? He, he healed with a touch, right? He, he, he raised people from the dead with, with a touch. And by the way, you'll, you'll notice this. That's exactly the opposite of what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. Because they wouldn't touch people. Why? Because they looked at people as being unclean. And they didn't want to defile themselves. So they avoided touching people. But Jesus, in his compassion, just that tender touch. Have you been touched by Jesus lately? Have you been touched by Jesus lately? He even touched the lepers, the untouchables. Leprosy is a, t- uh, is a typology of sin. 
It's a picture of the holy God, the God of, of total perfection and purity touching sinners. And he comes down and he touches me. The pure touching the impure. The holy touching the unholy. So he, he takes the kids, right, in his arms. Now, the disciples, <laughs> they start rebuking the parents from bringing the kids to Jesus. They're, they're censoring the parents. And they're saying, you know, you can't do this. They're putting roadblocks up from the parents bringing the children to Jesus. I, I don't know why. I mean, I just, obviously, they're a little, they're a little stunad, thick-headed. There's obviously things they're not understanding and getting, and there's a lot of things they weren't getting as you, know, you go through the Gospels. But I don't know, maybe they were, they were being overly protective of Jesus. And um, maybe, maybe they just thought that they had like the corner on you, that they own Jesus. Right? He's ours. Like, we got Jesus here. He's ours. And, uh, you know, you can't have them. And that's true. That's, you can see that in Christianity. Churches do that. We think we own Jesus. Right? Our particular, unique, peculiar way of doing things around here at Living Word Community Church somehow makes us superior to other churches, and we've got the corner on Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, we don't own Jesus. He owns us. So I don't know really why they're doing it. So in Mark chapter 10... Uh, verse 13 through 14. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. And he said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of God. By the way, if you look at those words, those four words, he was greatly displeased. That is a really poor translation. He was Angry. The word, the word here is, I mean, it's agkali, and it's, he was really angry. It's strong that they would try to keep the children from coming to him. He is angry. This is, this is the anger that you see he had when he went into the temple and threw out the sacrifice sellers and the uh, temple, you know, the, the, the ones who were exchanging the coins. This is the anger that he had in Matthew chapter 23 when he spoke to the Pharisees and said, Whoa! Right? Seven times. Seven woes. You hypocrites. You phonies. You fakes. You whitewashed tombs. And at times, this is the same anger that he had at his disciples who at times were were prideful, arrogant, lazy, selfish, greedy. And he becomes angry. By the way, have you ever had the Lord get angry at you? Maybe it's only me that I've experienced the Lord's anger. But I've had him get angry. And you know what? His anger is usually followed by discipline. So all of a sudden things start, you know, not quite going right. Things start going wrong when he disciplines me. And uh, he disciplines those he loves, though. I hope you know that. If you're in relationship with him, if you're his child, he will discipline you. Or you're not walking with him. You're not walking the way he wants you to walk. He's going to bring things in your life. All of a sudden, you're going to have a bunch of things in your life that are not making you happy. He's, he's trying to get your attention. So in, in Mark 10, again, he was displeased. And he said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Don't hinder them. Don't forbid them. 
Because literally, the kingdom of God belongs to these babies, to these infants, to these little children, right? That, that kingdom, that, that salvation, eternal life, that dominion of God belongs to the babes, to the little children who can't earn it, <laughs> who can't buy it, who couldn't do anything to get it, but the kingdom is theirs, and it still is today. I want to tell you just a, a blessing. A baraka shalom Adonai. Baraka shalom Adonai. On Wednesday nights here, there's a number of parents who bring their children to worship service. And um, the kids sit. They usually sit here or they sit here. And they worship the Lord. Most of them are girls, some boys. But they worship the Lord. And um, it's an incredible thing um, to see. I say, Baraka blessing, shalom, the well-being, the peace of God through Adonai, God. I sit here, and I am so blessed every Wednesday night. It really blesses me. Some of you know, you, you see this, of seeing these little children, and they're clapping their hands and raising their hands and praising the Lord, and they're having this, this great, great time in the Lord it's a, just a beautiful thing to see because such is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is theirs, said the Lord. And the same thing of the littlest ones, the babies. Kim, your son can do nothing to earn eternal life. Couldn't do anything, right? <laughs> right? No works, no ritual, right? He, hey, for such is the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't say, hey, he has to be circumcised first. He didn't say, well, listen, you've got to go baptize him. Just for, for such is the kingdom of God. No ritual, no nothing. Can, he's saved. They're saved. Even no personal faith. It doesn't even mention the faith of the parents. Right? The baby can't have faith at that time. Right? It just simply says the babies belong to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God belongs to the babies. They're in a state of salvation. They're in a state of grace. Let me add something here. So are they. So are they. The baby who dies, the miscarriage, the stillborn, the aborted baby... Right? For such is the kingdom of God. You may be sitting there and saying, well, how do you know this? Because I don't see that in Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. Well, how do you read the rest of the Bible? And Jesus questioned the Pharisees when they questioned him. He said, he said how do you read it? How do you read the rest of the Do you read the rest of the Bible? Because the rest of the Bible makes this very clear. That those, those little ones in the womb, by the way, in the scriptures, they're not called fetuses. What are they called? Babies, brefos, ben, sons, daughters. Look at um, Genesis chapter 25, 22. But the children struggling together went in her. Notice that. The children, <laughs> the word there is ben. We get the word uh, sons. The sons, notice again, they are not called fetuses. But the children struggling together within her, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. There are babies inside of her womb. 
in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 5. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb. Do you realize the Lord knit you together in your mama's womb? To be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. Psalm 22, verse 9. Yet you brought me out of the womb... You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. And when Mary met Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, 41 through 44, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, by the way, that is the word brephos that Luke uses in the same context that we're looking at with Mark. The baby leaped in the womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that my mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Babies. Same word, right? Took the babies in his arms. Same word for what is in the womb, babies. The unborn child. For such is the kingdom of God, for such is the kingdom of God. I want to say this to you too, Do you realize, I believe there will likely be more people in heaven than hell. And you say, well, geez, you know, if we look at it, look at it, there's, there's so, you know, there's so few people. I mean, in your own lives, how many people do you know who are truly saved and born again, right? How many people have truly given their life to Jesus Christ? There's far more unbelievers than believers in my life, in my entire sphere, and I'm pastor of the church. But I do believe that every child who has ever been aborted, miscarried, stillborn, little children who died young. I believe that they all will be in heaven, including those of atheist parents, agnostic parents, Hindu parents, Buddhist parents, all the different parents. They will, and I believe also, when the rapture happens, I believe the kids, who are, are they're going. I believe they're going. I think there's going to be tremendous distress when mom and dad suddenly realize that their children are no longer here. They're taken because they're his. Look at um, Ezekiel 16, 20 through 21. Been teaching on this on Wednesday nights. Moreover, you took your sons and your daughters whom you bore to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. They were sacrificing their children. This is what caused the destruction of Jerusalem and Israel in 586. It's called the sin of Manasseh. They were sacrificing their children to Molech and Baal. They were offering them up in the fire. They would take the children to this idol where there was this big fire, and they would cast the child in the fire, and the drums would beat because they were beating so loud because of the screams of the children to drown out the screams so the people didn't have to hear it. So it says, were your acts of harlotry a small matter that you have slain my children and offered them up to them by casting them to pass through the fire? Notice whose children they are. Folks, they're not ours. <laughs> they're his. You see all these people marching yesterday? They're marching in city after city. Keep your hands off my ovaries. Lady... I don't give a crap what you do with your ovaries, but that baby, that baby is not yours. That baby is God's. Let me tell you, the wrath of God is being poured out on this country for its evil. 
the wrath of God is being poured out. And I'll tell you, I think there's more, much more coming. I've never seen people so zealous for the murder of babies. Think about it. They will protest, they will scream, they will yell, they will march, they will threaten Supreme Court justices. I mean, just, just vile. But I've never seen people who are so zealous for the murder of babies. I don't mean, it made there's something wrong with me the way I think. Babies. But we are going to protest, we are going to threaten, we are going to bomb, we are going to, we are going to get it all because we want those babies killed. It's really, it's really sick. But they're his. And our children are his. We're stewards. Got a stewardship. You don't own them. I think it's one of the reasons there's so much, again, there's abortion, there's child abuse. People don't grasp this. One other passage here, 2 Samuel 12, 23. When David's son died, he said this, but now he is dead. He said, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Notice, I shall go to him. Where did he go? He went to be with the Lord. David said, one day I will die and I will, I will go to him. Now, I just want to emphasize something here. Children are in a state of grace, okay, until they reach the age. What's that age that we talk about? It's a doctrine, the age of what? Accountability. But I want to give you something. I want to give you a better word. A better word than reaching the age of accountability is people say to me, when is the age of accountability? Right? Is it, is it 13? Is it 15? Is it 10? I think it's the level of accountability because I think it's different for each child. Some children seem to reach the, the level of accountability at an earlier age than others. And what, what is the age, the, the age of uh, the level of accountability is when a child realizes that they need to turn from their sins to Jesus Christ to be saved. When they realize that they need to repent, they realize that they need to give their life and receive the forgiveness of the Lord in their lives. Little children don't understand that. Babies obviously do not understand that. But that is, that, that, that is the level of accountability. So I say the, the little children, I believe the children in our Sunday school, the children in our nursery, they're in that, that place. They not, have not reached the level of accountability yet. I think our teens have, I think. So you see in Deuteronomy 139, Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, right, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, uh, they shall go in there into the promised land. By the way, the promised land is like, you know, it's kind of a typology of, of eternity, of heaven. But they, sh they, they shall go in there to them, I will give it, and they shall possess it. So these were children who were in that, they were at, right, they hadn't reached the level of accountability, they're going into the promised land. All children who haven't reached the level of accountability, they're saved. They're under grace by, by the Lord. So they die, God forbid, they go to heaven. By the way, some of your children, they struggle with some mental challenges. I believe those children with mental challenges are in grace. I don't care how old they get. 
who cannot, they, they cannot truly, right again, understand they're in a state of grace. That's a beautiful thing. And they will be made perfect when they go to heaven. <laughs> It'll be a beautiful thing. Okay, point two. So receive the kingdom of God as a little child. So this is for us big people now, okay? We are to receive the kingdom of God as a little child. Verse 15, Assuredly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. What does that mean? It means that you cannot work for it, just like the little child couldn't. You can't earn it. You can't do religious gymnastics to get it. Um, baptism, circumcision is, is not going to get it. This, this just, it eliminates all self-righteousness. Hell will be filled with self-righteous people. I'm good enough. I'm good enough to be in heaven. I'm good enough. Look at my life, you know, on the seesaw, on the scale. I got, you know, it was, it was a little bad, but it was... A, it, it, hell will be filled with self-righteous people. Heaven will be filled with God-righteous people. With people who entered into the kingdom like a child. In Matthew eleven twenty five, at that time Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. Those are the Pharisees, the self-righteous. They're, 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 just, they're self-righteous, they're prideful, they're arrogant, they're wise and they're clever in their own eyes, and for revealing them to the childlike, the simple, the open, the trusting, the unpretentious, the dependent, the weak, those who come lacking achievement, they come humbly. No self-righteousness. Like the Pharisee and the tax collector, and it's interesting that Luke puts this right before Jesus took the little children into his arms. You have the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee, and the Pharisee is filled with self-righteousness, right? He just He's so wonderful. He's so righteous in his own eyes. And the tax collector, he's like the little child who beats his chest. He asks for God to have mercy on him because he's a sinner. He doesn't even feel worthy to pick up his head and look up to heaven. Again, he's the picture of the little child. The Pharisee is the picture of the self-righteous one, right? We are saved. We are saved by grace, folks. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace. There is nothing that we can do or have ever done that could warrant or give us salvation. It is, right, what, a gift. In um, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. That just, put, that, that, that just totally shoots down religion. Because religion is man trying to work himself to God. And the gospel is God coming down the ladder to man and saving us. What do you do when somebody gives you a gift? What do you do when, 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 somebody, when somebody gives you a gift? Do you, do you say, hey, let me pay you. Let, here, wait, wait. Here, there's a, you know, people come at times. They give the pastor a gift. Here, let, here, here take my credit card. Here, you know, take, here let me give you some cash. What do you do when somebody gives you a gift? Oh, let me earn it. Listen, I'll, I'll go to work for you. I'll cut your lawn. I'll, 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 trim your, I'll trim your hedges. And then I, I can earn the gift. What do you do when somebody gives you a gift? You just receive it. That's all you do. You, you, you just receive it. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You can't buy it. You just, you just receive it. Like a little child. Like a little child. We receive the kingdom of God. All right, 
Do you want to hear the rest of the story or do you want to go home? I know some of you might want to go home. I don't know what you're going home for. Watch a ball game. Maybe the roast is in the oven. Got to get home before it burns. I don't know. People don't even cook roasts anymore. I used to say that, say that 20 years ago. The wife had the roast in the oven. Nobody has roast in the oven anymore. Does anyone here today have a roast in the oven? God bless you. <laughs> what do you have? <laughs> it's going to be McDonald's today. <laughs> All right, the rest of the story. Quick. Mark 10, 16. And he took them up in his arms, and he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. That, that is, that is catalogia, blessed. This is where we get eulogy. Cata eulogy. You would give a, you know, give a eulogy, a blessing for the, for the people. And it's interesting. I'm going to give you a, get a little technical with you here for some of you who are really deeply into the word. The word is in the perfect tense, and um, essentially the idea carries with it. He did this one by one. He didn't, he didn't just, like, there were a bunch of kids, and he just said, I bless you all. He did them one by one. And he, he took them in his arms one by one, and he, I, believe, I believe, being he was God, he spoke a very clear, specific blessing over their life for their unique situation. And he did it fervently. He did it, he did it passionately as he prayed over them and laid his hands on them. And I want to do, uh, give you a comparison here. You ever hear the story of the prodigal son? Andrew, have you ever heard that story? You have. You've been in the church for more than a week? It's probably the, the greatest story right, that has ever been told. And they make movies about it. In Luke chapter 15, 20 through 21, when the kid chose to return, and it says, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran, and I want you to notice, fell on his neck and kissed him, and the son said to his father, father, I have sinned against heaven in, in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son, I just want you to, to, to notice that he comes back totally unworthy, he comes back helpless, he comes back dependent, he comes back humble, he comes back like a little child. And the father, the father runs to him, and it says he fell on his neck. He took him in his arms. Again, you can't, he, didn't, he didn't go like this. <laughs> he, he took the boy in his arms, and, and he held him. I believe tears were flowing down on the boy's neck. Now watch, watch. Do you know what the, the, the next group of verses say? What did he do then? What did the father do for the son? He blessed him. He, 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 he blessed this kid. Watch. And the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. He embraced him, took him into his arms and blessed him. Cata eulogy. And, and what, what did he do? He cover his shame with a new robe. The kid came back half naked. 
He covers him with the, with the, the righteous robes of the Lord. He, right, became sin so that we could be forgiven and be made righteous. And he covers us. 1 Corinthians 5.17. And then he says, put the ring on his finger. The ring of sonship. That's, that's the ring of inheritance. That's the ring of privilege. That's what he does for us. He covers our sin. He puts the ring. and he, we, we are his sons and his daughters. It is a privilege. A privilege and an honor to be here today. And to know him as our, as our father, as our Abba. And sandals on our feet, the feet, the person who didn't have shoes, it was a thing of shame. He takes away our shame. Shoes, according to Ephesians, the armor of God, right? They are are the peace of God, the well-being, the shalom of God. And then he says, kill the fattened calf. That's abundance. That's his abundance. But the boy came back like a little child, and he got got catayulogy. He gets blessed just like the little children were blessed. So we are blessed. For such is the kingdom of God. The kingdom is for kids. So our our key application here, when you read the scriptures, it doesn't matter where you are. You could be reading Genesis chapter 2, the fall. You could be reading Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. You could be reading about Noah. You could be reading Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Joseph, Moses, right through the entire scriptures. You will, you will find that, that again, this, this, this book of books, 66 books written over the course of about 2,000 years by um, about 39 different authors. One of the unique things about it, it is living and it speaks to us because you will find yourself in every story. Have you noticed that? I can find myself, I can find myself in every story at different, different times of my life. I can, I can find myself at the cross. I can find myself at the resurrection. I find myself at Pentecost. But you will find yourself in the story. Where are you in this story? So you, you, you have the Pharisees. I want to tell you, they're there. According to Luke, they're looking on. And um, he's blessing the children and saying, for such is the kingdom of God. And they're angry. (laughs) They're not happy. Because their concept is, I'm good enough for heaven. I I don't need to humble myself. I don't need grace. I don't need forgiveness. I'm good enough. I earn heaven through my effort. I am religious. I practice rituals. I'm good enough to get into heaven just the way I am. And maybe you're here today and that's you. I've seen many of those people float in and out of their, this church. Religious people. This word, by the way, offends the heck out of them. And Jesus was affecting and, and, and really making the Pharisees very angry. Then you have the disciples prohibiting the children to come to him. We need to be careful. We think we own Jesus. We don't, right? He owns us. And what what we do is we put conditions, right? Well, God says, come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come to me. You must believe and receive, right? You do have to turn away, right? You have to 
admit that you need it, that you're a sinner, but you come to him and you just you you believe and receive. You put your faith in Jesus that he died for you, that he was raised from the dead, that he is God, he is the Messiah, he's the Savior. And you just put faith in him that, that he took your sins upon himself on that cross and was raised from the dead. And, and, and you're saved. There, there's nothing you can add to it. <laughs> Tito. Is Tito here? Tito, you brought a man to the church. I know he's not here today. Maybe three months ago. And he met me after preaching on a Sunday morning at the uh, door. And he said to me, the church I go to, they said that because I smoke, I'm going to hell. And I said to him, do you believe that, that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Do you believe he died for you on the cross? Do you believe he was raised from the dead? And he, and he said, yes. And I said, then you're not. I said, you should leave that church because it's a legalistic church. And now what they've done is, you see, now it's Jesus plus. It's not just Jesus. Now you have to give up smoking. Now if you smoke, I'd encourage you to quit. It's not very good for you, right? I think we know that. And people who have a problem with this thing, I mean, it's, you talk about addictions... But Jesus didn't say, hey, first you have to give up smoking to come, or you have to give up alcohol to come to me, or you have to give up something else to come to me. He just said, come to me. Now let him do the cleaning. Come and know him. And he gets on the inside of your life, and he starts to empower you, and you start to love him, and you want to please him, you want to obey him, and he starts to, he starts to clean up your life. But he didn't say, oh, listen, come to me, but um, you need to stop smoking. Come to me and you need to stop drinking. He didn't say that. That's legalism. And that's kind of here again, putting limitations, putting roadblocks, and keeping people from coming to Jesus. Be careful. If, if, if you, you're in that category, you want, you want to really turn away from that, repent from that. And then there are the parents who bring their children to Jesus. God bless you all who bring your children here Every Sunday, Wednesdays, you're, you, I mean, Mornay, his little boy comes in today and he's got his, his little Bible and he's preaching to me as we're walking into the church about Joseph. <laughs> Saying, you know who that is? And you teach your children at home, right? You're teaching the word to them. And God bless you all for that. God bless you for bringing your children to Jesus. Great responsibility. Great responsibility. And boy, is, is it ever greater in this world that we're in right now? Right? Right? Prayed for you last night. Taking a stand for Jesus. Some of the kids made fun of her. God bless you, honey. I can't imagine how hard, how hard it is for the little kids and what they are being raised in right now with what, what the devil is doing. But God bless you parents for being godly and bringing your children into the presence of the Lord. And then last, there are the children who were drawn to him, right, led to him. And they're drawn by his kindness, by his warmth, by his love, and there's no one like him. And he takes them into his arms and he blesses them Who loves you more than Jesus? Right? Who loves you more than Jesus? I want to quote to you a song. You know when God puts a song in your heart? <laughs> so my wife and I, we were driving back up from Pennsylvania last today, and I'm listening 
uh, this, this great this great song. We are his bride, taken from his side. When blood and water flowed from the broken heart of Israel, see the Lord provide the precious lamb who died, who cried, Eli, Eli, lama saptani, Abba El Shaddai, the God I give my life. I hope you give your life to him and that you do that every day. God bless you all. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for something very simple, yet sometimes so hard for people because of pride to come to you as little children. And Father, I just pray that people would come to you today as little children, give their lives to you, and allow you just to bless them. Bless them. Folks, we'll open the altars. You're welcome to come up to pray and seek him. Maybe you want to seek him today for your children, your grandchildren, for yourself. You can stand. Thank you, Pastor Frank. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word, precious word. Yes, the altars are open for you if you'd like to come here. If you'd like to come up and spend a little time quietly praying on your own or with somebody, please take advantage of this time.
kids of the kingdom. Live joyfully. May the Lord's blessings be upon you all. May he keep you safe. May the Lord provide for you. May he just fill your heart with his abundant love. Jesus go with you all. Amen. Amen. God bless you.